Welcome to the latest edition and episode of Spirit in a Material World. I am your host, Jana Zinzi, and I'm so excited to be here today with such an amazing being in the world, my spiritual sister, um, just a deeply brilliant artist and entrepreneur, Ifatumininu Bangmigbala Aresa the head revolutionary in charge of a Black Creatives Guide. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So grateful. I'm so glad to be here with you today um, and really wanted to talk more about the amazing work that you're doing with a Black Creatives Guide. Um, you and I met doing some fun artist <laughs> playtime together with the New Orleans Baby Doll Ladies, uh, dancing together for Mardi Gras, and um, really just connected on so many things. Um, to me, you bring this um, kind of what the spirit of the, the show is, this connections of travel and art and um, spirit together. So I'd love to hear more about you know, a Black Creatives Guide. I really want to let folks know what you're doing um, because we have such a deep love, a shared love for um, art, especially here in, in New Orleans. Yeah, sure. So a Black Creatives Guide, first off, we are for the global liberation of Black people, okay? Yeah. Um, and we do that by, through arts and culture. And so we, we do that by helping to create layers of access uh, to art, for Black people. And I say this because um, we already know that we're art. Like that's just naturally how we show up in the world. On our worst days, you know, we we walk a certain way, you know, we we have so many things in our culture that are just, that are art, period. Um, but there also can be this lack of access to the quote unquote art world. And so what that looks like, um, as an artist, right, uh, for artists who are looking to, uh, for help navigating the art world, we provide space, knowledge, resources to help um, artists navigate the art world. And then what that looks like on a community front is that we release, like we get rid of certain barriers to help people be able to um, go into museum spaces, go into gallery spaces. We have conversations about art in a way that is not pretentious, that's very relaxed. Um, and we are like really, just how you and I are talking right here, like that is how we we essentially talk about art. Um, and so we have been servicing our community since 2019 um, and very, very grateful to do so. It's so wonderful. Um, and I'm curious how, what inspired you to start a Black Creatives Guide. Um, I know that you're an artist um, and you've worked in some interesting art spaces um, throughout your career. So tell us a little bit more about, you know, um, on multiple levels, what, what, what was the impetus to start this type of um, organization? That is such a, that's a great question. Um, Yes, I've worked in many art spaces, museums, I've worked in uh, organizations, nonprofits. And one thing I feel like for me that even though like New Orleans is such a black city, right? And, um, and I've worked in art spaces, not just in New Orleans, but around the world. Um, but one of the things that is very, very apparent to me is that 
we're oftentimes not like we don't feel comfortable in those spaces or people try to exploit us. Um, And so and sometimes we get so excited to have a seat at the table that we don't see that they're exploiting us. Um, I know that being at a museum is like it can be like a school, right, depending on your level of um, comfort that you've had previously or like how you move through the world, period it can be a very intimidating thing to walk into a museum or a gallery. Um, And so how do you make these institutions more accessible? At the time that I started Black Creatives Guide, I was working specifically at a museum and I could see that community members weren't always comfortable coming in. Um, I can see that they weren't always treated well coming in. Uh, I can see that I was not always treated well as an employee. There was also this level of hierarchy there. Um, I worked in the education department um, and, you know, I wasn't a curator. And so there was almost like this level. It was almost like in a high school, how like the jocks and the cheerleaders are like top tier and, you know, everybody else is beneath them. That's how it felt to me, even though you know, part of my job was to bring in the public, to bring in families, to bring in, you know, students, children, you know, and it's like, why is it that we're not feeling comfortable in this space? Um, And so I wanted to undo that and make it a comfortable space for us to be in. And so that's how I started Black Creatives Guide. I originally thought that I would be doing this work at the institution I was working at at the time. Mm crazy talk. (laughs) And I'm very grateful because I, I get to do this work. I get to do this work and that's not tied to an institution, you know? Um, and that's something that really, really excites me. We started off very, very grassroots, um, in September of 2019. And then six months later, that allowed us to do was to uh and we started off as as strictly a meetup for melanated people right so um you black you like art come um and so what that allowed us to do by having that downtime is to be able to um really get some pillars down we now are official nonprofit. We recently achieved 501c3 status, you know, get an official board, do the nitty gritty work that, you know, what's your mission statement? What's your vision statement? You know, these things that help us to be a more formalized institution. And it's also helped us to partner with institutions like um, Prospect New Orleans or Contemporary Arts Center or Diaspora to Africa, different uh, organizations. and 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 it's been in a different way than we've done before. That's really beautiful. Um, I had the privilege to visit the the studio space that you're currently in right now, um, and seeing it in situated in a mall that has like Banana Republic and like Anthropology and J Crew, uh-huh. and to see this like very explicitly black space that had um images of beautiful black folks and then also really powerful um politic politicized images 
that were connected to like mass incarceration of black folks and in the prison industrial complex mm -hmm. is really, really special. Um, and there was something that I really appreciated about that juxtaposition because it's like people might be coming in thinking they're going to the movie theater or maybe they're just on their way to the movie theater and to engage with that art, you know, just in, in a time where you're just expecting to be out and about um, I think is really, really cool and really smart. Um, and, you know, I also know that studio space is complicated. It's difficult, to, can be difficult to find. Um, so can you share a little bit more about some of the visions that you have going forward for a Black Creatives Guide? Um, you know, and also some of the ways that you support artists um, with things like physical space as a dancer, physical space is always an issue, whether it's like practice spaces, performance spaces, you're dealing with venues and everybody's trying to get their money, you know, at the like expense of the artists. So I'd love to hear more about how you engage in, in that, um, those issues. Yeah, thank you so much for that. And it's so funny that um, the piece that you're specifically uh, referring to that you were talking about that dealt with mass incarceration, that actually is by a, a brother named Nick Breyer Aziz. And he actually, we have a, a shared studio space. So currently for the next week or so, we are in a, a shared studio space run by the Arts Council of New Orleans. And um, at the time that you've come a few times to this space, mm -hmm. but at the time uh, we both had uh, exhibitions up at the same time. And so um, uh, the city of New Orleans, uh, the Arts Council of New Orleans rather, um, we have uh, free space through them and we are lucky enough to have had this free space for um, a year. Mm -hmm. We did our best to make it as inviting and immersive as possible so that like black people could just come in, feel at home. You know, we have a college, we have, you know, mats we have pillows you know what I mean like sit chill do your thing we have a library where a lot of people have donated different um you know artist catalogs uh books of photography different things to us and so like we just we deserve dope safe art spaces period you know what I mean and so very grateful to have had this space. Unfortunately, um, this space is, is uh, granted in like cohorts for certain periods of time. So it's time for us to move on. And so, um, so we are looking for another space, but I will say too, um, we do have a Kickstarter uh, campaign going on right now where we are looking to raise $10,000. It ends on uh, April 20th. I know that $10,000 is not a lot to a lot of organizations, but for uh, a, an organization organization like us, it is a lot of money. So I'm sure that we're going to be successful. Please <laughs> donate if you can. No, no amount is too small. Um, and it helps us to be able to, uh, you know, to create safe, dope spaces for um, for Black artists, for Black art, for Black community members. And so um, with that being said, to answer your question, not only did people come in this space and just like, like get to breathe, right? Yeah. And chill, but we also, there are artists who have used the space for different things, you know, um, whether it's, we've had different workshops in this space. Um, a great artist um, who uh, we love, Sheldon Scott, 
Um, he is a performance artist that does really, really phenomenal work. And we're really excited about a performance that he's going to have next month at the Ogden. He did a, a performance artist workshop for us in this space where people got to come and learn about how he uses time and endurance in his mm. art, which for me as a performance artist, it was like tremendous to sit and think about what that means to my own art because I do not use time in the same way as he does. And what does it mean to like build up endurance as an artist mm. um, for a performance in the way that he does? Mm. Um, his performances literally will take all day. And um, it, it really honestly is, is mind blowing to see, we, I haven't seen him live in person. So I'm really excited about this performance that's gonna happen at the Ogden next month so I can. Um, but what I will also say is that we've also had people come in and give workshops on grant writing. We've had people come in and give workshops on um, what it means to be your whole self, mental, like, um, mental health workshops. We've had panel discussions on the intersections of those things. Mm. We've worked with Diaspora to Africa, which is another organization um, that, that works with the diaspora and brings uh, people from the African diaspora to Africa um, and had a chance to connect with different creatives and entrepreneurs to host things like um, healing workshops where there's yoga and a sound artist is performing. And that was one of the most monumental things to see in this space um especially with the if you could imagine like how colorful this space is and like having the lights off and doing yoga while they're like yeah. songs or different like percussionist instruments oh it just was amazing so we the like um, and we also have had exhibitions, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I've been to the, like when you did during the Essence Festival, that was so amazing. Um, and such a, like, it, it was such a gathering place. And it's so important for us to have those places. Like the energy was just so beautiful. And it was such a variety of different types of art, you know, different perspectives that were, were in the space. Um, it was really beautifully curated. And like the yoga classes there. Um, it's, it's really powerful to have a physical space to be able to, for us to be together. And I love what you were saying about these types of workshops, because a lot of times I think people think about the art as like the tangible, right? So like a painting workshop or like, you know, how do you do your settings for photography, but there's so much more to it. You know, like the idea of time and endurance, like I think about that as a dancer <clears throat> and particularly like doing burlesque, um, one of the things that I would think about, I mean, everything to me, I think like 90% of it is musicality. Well, maybe not 90% of it, but a large part of it is like musicality and personality, right? Engaging with your audience. But like, I would take these workshops that were about moving slowly and there is something that is so powerful when you're saying like this artist, which I'm like, I, I got to go see this next month too. Um, taking the entire day to do a performance piece is like, I'm stressed out when I'm like 30 seconds and I need to move slowly, <laughs> you know, because it's like, 
Um, it just requires like a different level of presence. And I think also like a different level of confidence mm -hmm. um, to be able to like take up time and take yeah. up space, Yeah, um, you know, especially um, as black folks and black women in particular, speaking from that experience of like not being allowed to take up space, you know, being in spaces a lot of times where we feel like you know, others want us to shrink. They want us to be quiet, you know, just, or at the same time, moving about our day, just like handling a whole bunch of things and like not being conscious of moving slowly, moving intentionally. Um, so I feel like there's so many lessons that we get to experience through art that we can take and, you know, apply to our, just like our daily lives. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things that you were talking about is, you're traveling, which is something that we connected about. Um, and I'd love to hear more about how your travels particularly to the continent have um, inspired you and influenced you. And also too, um, knowing that you've traveled around the country doing this work too. So it's, you know, you have this really great experience of like living abroad um, on the continent and then also connecting with other folks in the diaspora who are here in the, in the U.S., Mm -hmm. So um, tell me more about all the exciting things that you did, like particularly Tanzania and, and Nigeria. Uh, I'd love to hear more. And I know the audience would too. I appreciate that. And I do want to um, just, before I get to that, I do want to say that, um, and I'll definitely be inviting you on the 13th, May 13th at the Ogden. Um, when I talk about Sheldon Scott and his performance, what he's going to be doing is performing um, Portrait of a Number One Man, where he actually would, uh, with his bare fingers, peel rice husk from sunup to sundown. So that's on his knees, right? Because he's from, um, he's from South Carolina, and that was where rice was the crop of his ancestors mm. so he thought about what it would be like to have to do that you know um sun up to sundown and and his performances also like he he aims to go ahead and peel his body weight in rice but his performances are designed to fail like there's no way he can do that in, in right. one right um, and so just tedious performances like that. So I say that because one of the things that we'll be doing as a Black creatives guy is going there and see him as he performs this work. He is an artist where we started out looking at this work as a film installation. He came in and we went to the Ogden and had a conversation about it uh, with him. Um, and then we continue to develop our relationship with him uh, throughout the years. And that's something that when you talk about taking up space, we do that. So you don't need permission. <laughs> to go into a museum, you know what I'm saying, or gallery. Now, gallery is private property in a different way. Um, so we actually do <laughs> talk to the owners ahead of time. But okay. you know, um, but we actually do intentionally go into museum spaces and take up and gallery spaces and other art spaces, and we take up space. Like that is the that is the reason why a black creative a, a black creatives guy started. Um, was because we have a right to be here and we're going to take up this space and we're going to take our time and we're going to have these conversations and it's going to be for us by us, you know? Um, and that is something that has been extremely empowering uh, to be a part of. And even when I look at different videos and I'm like, we've gone into museums. 
and we black folks. So, you know, normally we'll do that. You know what I'm saying? We, we bring our authentic self everywhere that we go. And that is something that is like just very empowering. And to have the conversations that we have um, is just amazing because we oftentimes have shared life experiences. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to have those conversations and it not be about the composition of this painting, you know, and it's not, you know, we have what we call conversation starters mm. um, and, and they'll help start a conversation, but we don't believe that we're the experts. We believe that all of us are experts in different things. And so all of our opinions meet, matter. And that's how we are able to just have really interesting conversations about art. Um, I love that because it does feel intimidating sometimes. I'm like, I don't have a traditional art background, but I love to go to a museum. That's one of my like favorite things to do or exhibits, you know, with uh, particularly with my cousin, we're always going to some sub sort of exhibit, but like neither of us are trained yeah. painters or photographers in that way, you know? Um, and so making it accessible is, is so important. And I love going to stuff and seeing us there you know just engaging with with work like here's an example this my I stay with a mug I collect mugs <laughs> but um Basquiat's um family put together an exhibit a traveling exhibit and I was thinking about it, I'm like this needs to come to New Orleans but it's in LA right now um and it was the idea of it was or is to show Basquiat from the family's perspective. He was their brother, their cousin, that's the homie, you know, like he's a regular dude to them, you know, and hearing their stories about him, like growing up and like pulling the cord out of the, you know, wall to, for the TV and like, you know, being a like pain in the butt little brother, you know, it's such an interesting, it's a different perspective because again, you have these, commentators a lot of the time speaking about him in like this very elevated way and this was just like nah this is from the family we're the sisters we're going to tell you about his life we're going to show you you know these are the things he had in his room they set up like a, a model of his studio and different things and it was just such a beautiful way to experience it and what I love to see is that there were so many Black folks like intergenerationally there. It was a very diverse group of folks that were there, but it was really cool because it was like auntie and, you know, uncle were there, like, you know, young Black couples and you know, families were there. Um, me and my cousin went, you know, and so just it's like it felt more like it was designed to be accessible. Yeah for us and for just folks to come and enjoy it without feeling like, oh, I have to be, you know, all suited up or like some like expert. <clears throat> it was just come enjoy this art and see who this yeah. man was behind all of the fanfare. You yeah. Know? I love that. And I, and, and that's what art to me, that's what art is supposed to be, you know? Um, and it, you know, it is upsetting to me, you know, you're wearing one of our shirts, you know, it says our ancestors, my ancestors invented art, right? And so, <laughs> come on, model, <laughs> you know? And so it's just like, it's hard because it's like, we, 
we, when you look at places like New Orleans, when you look at people like Basquiat, when you look at just like the fact that we are so cultural and we are just artists in our own right and everything that we do, um, but people want to try to shut us out of that world or tell us that we can only enter from this way or tell us that we can only get this high. And it's like, nah, our ancestors did this. What you know what I'm saying? And so, um, and so I think part of that too is a mindset that we need to have when we are in these spaces, whether we are with someone, like whether we're with the Black Creatives Guide or whether we're going with our cousin or whether we're going by ourselves, like actually I'm coming up in here and I want to view this and I'm not thinking about like, I'm not thinking about, oh, this painting is worth, you know, $101 million, or this painting was the painting that Jay-Z and Beyonce had in the Cartier, in the Tiffany's commercial, you know, like, hey, wow, like, what is, what speaks to me about this work, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, and I think about what that, like, I love Basquiat, because I think that Basquiat can be extremely accessible for people when you look at his work, and people might look at him and be like, I don't understand why it's a million dollars, you know, $25 million. But like, the, I, it's, it's, it is really dope. You know what I mean? Totally. I love that, you know, and I love that people feel comfortable with his work. Um, I, I think that that's an amazing, thank you for that. And I love that his family would take the time to talk, to honor him in that way and to talk about him in that way, you know? Yes. Um, so, so thank you so much for sharing that. Of course, of course. I do want to go back to the question that you asked about my specific um, travels. Yes. So I did, I lived in Tanzania um, for uh, two short years. And it is a, it is home to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I have many, many versions of home. I'm very grateful and blessed in that way. Um, And when I lived in Tanzania, myself and a friend of, I, 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 you know, I went out there at first I was I was teaching um and I am an educator by nature and that's one thing that's really dope about a black creatives guy because I get to I I have always been um a, a a teacher that facilitates conversation and not just tells you what to think right mm-hmm. um and so uh one of the, when I went to black when I went to Tanzania I just started hanging out with a bunch of artists. I myself wasn't practicing art at that time because I don't know why, mm. but what I felt was that a part of my creative spirit was dying because I wasn't practicing art. I would bring artists in the classroom, but I wasn't practicing art. And so then I put teaching aside, I dove head first. You know, I started shooting, you know, I, I shot a film with my friends. I went on artist residencies. I traveled and connected with artists. I actually worked with a good friend of mine to found this nonprofit there or non-governmental organization there um, where we actually, it was all about uh, creatives in in East Africa and the work that we do. And we we had this series called Talk and Chill and we would bring conversations um, like uh, who made these rules, right? In Tanzania, it is a very conservative country. it's a it's a Muslim country. There are other um, religions as well. Christianity is very popular there as well, but it is very conservative. You have to 
you know, have your, you, your dresses below your knees. You know what I'm saying? Like you were covered up as a woman, um, you know, and just other things as well that make the country conservative. And so part of the conversation, but if we looked at historically who Tanzania was before colonization, like who made these rules that we do have to be covered up? Because actually that's not, uh, pre-colonization Tanzania didn't look like that, right? Um, we also would have conversations like the use of the N-word, which yeah. uh, was a very a very powerful conversation to have as an as a African of the diaspora to be in Africa and to hear our brothers and sisters use that word, mm. how painful it, it just, I mean, it's painful when I hear it here, you know what I mean? So it's really painful there where a lot of people might not know the history and definitely don't feel as connected to the deep dark history as we do. Um, not everybody, you know, um, obviously. And so just to have those kinds of conversations and what I discovered is that I am a professional conversation starter. Like mm -hmm. that is like what I do. It, uh, I, this is me on a regular Tuesday, right? Yep, it is y'all. <laughs> And I love it. <laughs> As do I, but I know that I'm walking art and I know mm -hmm. that I myself have conversation, like people are drawn to me and people want to have conversations and how you do that. I also have conversations that are not always talked about. Like um, that's just part of people would consider certain things taboo, but we're going to have a conversation about it and presenting uh, the space to do so. And so I think for me, that was where Tanzania came into place because it was the first time that I started building community and having like hosting spaces to have conversations. Mm. Um, and, and it also was the first time where I was interacting with a lot of artists from different places around the diaspora. Um, and it has a special place in my heart. Um, I miss it so much. And then I started traveling to Nigeria where my spiritual family is from. That is another home for me. Um, and, and these, like, when we talk about homes, I understand that that is a privilege to have many places that I call home. So I don't want to overlook that or overshadow that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I actually, um, got to work with a wonderful organization called Diaspora to Africa, yes, um, yes. And, you know, and <laughs> Diaspora to Africa um, is, is run by some amazing people. The yes. U.S. director is um, Chief or Oloye um, Ianifa Ifasheyi Bombala Olotunji Aresa. And so what I will say is, you know, one of the things that we do is you know, that's what Africa takes, as I said earlier, um, people from the diaspora, the diaspora um, and we do go to the continent and there's a cultural exchange that happens. And so for me, as an educator, as an artist, one of the cultural exchanges that I would naturally have is about art. I would work with teachers, I would work with students, and we would have conversations about art, whether it was bringing art into the classroom, um, whether it was uh, helping students to um, build altars or, um, or, you know, write their own affirmations and how to turn that into its own set of performance art, um, photography workshops. These are different things that I would do with uh, Diaspora to Africa. And so it's, you know, both Nigeria and Tanzania have been part of my own 
my own art, my own artistry, but then also part of my own professional development as a as a as an artist, as an educator. Um, and then they also have had a large influence on a Black Creatives Guide. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for asking that question. Of course, of course. Um, yeah, I, I feel like that's one of the ways, one of the myriad of ways that we like started to connect was like living outside of the U.S. and, you know, talking about these experiences, um, <clears throat> like living as a, you know, expat, as they say, immigrant, you know, going to other other places and what that means as a Black person from the U.S. Definitely. And so... Mm-hmm. When I lived in Tanzania, I wouldn't say I was an expat. I would say I was repatriating. Like, like, nah, I'm coming back home. And I think that- I love that. Yeah. And it wasn't, I was talking with this brother. Where is, I think this brother was from the Congo. Mm. And so that's where I, this is sad, y'all. I should have known this already, but I didn't. But he talked about a specific ritual that they would do um, as we were leaving the point of no return where they would like walk you around the tree seven times backwards and like how you couldn't return to the land. And so when I Mm. met him and we were talking and he was just really talking about the, like the importance of us coming home and what it means to break that curse, you know, that they... (laughs) that they performed on us, like what it means to do that and to return home. And so I don't take us returning home to visit or to live lightly. um, Pray that, that we don't either. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I didn't know that either. And that just like made my heart just like sad and just tense, you know, like thinking about that um, and thinking about how beautiful it is to be able, what he said, and what you just shared about being able to break that curse, um, you know, that really, that I'm just, I'm just sitting with, with that. And, and, you know, it makes me think about the popular saying, like, we are our ancestors' wildest dreams, right? And how a lot of times, you know, we think about it as like levels of achievement of, you know, doing things, but even that you know, like, what does that mean for our, like, ancestral line to be able to break that curse um, mm-hmm. is really, is something powerful to really think about um, <clears throat> and really, really beautiful. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Man, I would, I, so I would like to add to what you're saying. Yeah. For me, whenever I go home, those are probably the moments that I treasure the most. Mm-hmm. I think that um, as Black people, they have done a number on us. We've allowed them to do a number on us, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's all of this uh, versus, right? The diaspora versus Africa, the Caribbean versus the Americas. but And it's like, we are one. And so I can think of another very special moment where I was on this, um, I was at this this beautiful artist residency that is on this historical train tracks in Kenya. Mm. And um, in these train tracks, it was, uh, we, we took, it started off in uh, Nairobi and then we took the train to Mombasa and then we ended up in Khalifi. And so when you would go into a train car, every car, one car might've been, uh, for filmmakers, one car was for fashion designers, and you would kind of just intertwine, like go through. It was so magical. That's so cool. 
And I remember being with these sisters who were from all over um, the continent. We had, whether they were from Rwanda, South Africa, Uganda, a lot of Kenyans, um, Tanzania. And we were, um, there was one brother and he was like at the door of the train and he was playing a beat and we were all singing and, and clapping and, and, um, and people were singing like, oh, let me sing this song, you know, from my tribe. Let me sing this mm -hmm. song. And then this one sister named Wahanga, she pulled my hand and she was like, let's give thanks to the ancestors for bringing our sister home. And just to be seen in that moment meant so very much to be seen in that way in that moment. Mm. Because I think that there can be a lot of resentment and, and it can go both ways, you know? Um, <laughs> about the resources that we have here. There are resources there, but they're stolen, right? Like the Western world takes <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so much. And, and, um, and just to be seen in that moment, you know, with my sisters and my brother, you know, and, and, and yes, let us all give thanks for us that return home. Like, let us all give thanks um, because it's not about me. It's about all of us and what that means for all of us to be a part of that work, you know, is so important. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's so beautiful um, and so powerful. And it's something that, <clears throat> you know, I think a lot about here is that those ways in which we've been taught to be dividing, you know, div divided and also like thinking about it from a travel perspective, right? Like what does it mean when we go visit the continent, especially, you know, for example, thinking about places like Ghana that have become super popular for <clears throat> diasporic type trips, right? For black folks from the United States to go over there. But like, what does that mean for the folks who live in Ghana? Like how are folks, um, you know, who are from Ghana, living in Ghana every single day, you know, what's the impact of all of this, you know, US-based tourism? Are our people from the States, how are they engaging there and not looking at things as just like, oh my God, it's so cheap to get my hair braided. And like, you know, like <clears throat> what are those connections like? So you know, and, and as part of just my travel ethos in general is really thinking about those connections. Um, and so what a like blessing and what, um, you know, an honor for you to be able to have those experiences that were so immerse, immersive um, and, to, and to be seen like it matters because we do wanna be seen, you know, um, and it is at least, you know, like speaking for myself and traveling, to a place, you know, like Nigeria and thinking about what, like my level of privilege, right? What does that mean as an American or someone from the United States? What does that mean as a biracial black woman? You know, there's a lot of those, and you and I have had conversations about that, um, you know, and also just wanting like a human thing, we wanna belong and mm -hmm. like, um, it's deeper than just like we have that human desire to belong but then when you add like the cultural the ethnic the historical the racial um connections like the ancestral connections we feel to a place but also feeling like 
I grew up in this space that's entirely disconnected and also like enacted a lot of violence <laughs> on this space and on my people. Mm-hmm. How do we negotiate that and how do we deal with that? And I feel like traveling as someone from the United States, I feel like almost everywhere we go, that's a conversation that is relevant because yeah. of the ways that our country has shown up. Yeah. Um, you know, like even when I traveled to Vietnam, for example, like I thought about that very intensely, you know, but also the like being a black person from the States and what like black soldiers dealt with there and how they were received, you know, there's just so many different layers um, of our identity and then also of our nationality that play into to this and um, acknowledging we have privilege, but then also being like, you know, in the States, things are like, they not checking for us like that. <laughs> like we're not wealthy and rich in the States, but like comparatively speaking, we are, you know, and it's so, it gets really, really complicated. So I just appreciate you sharing that. And and I love, I'm so grateful for that, um, that moment that you shared and that you like experienced that and being with all of those artists there and that you bring that back here and, and the work that you're doing to create those connections here around um, artists from the diaspora, particularly a place like New Orleans. It's so important what you're doing. I feel like we could have like spit bars about New Orleans because um, I always have lots of questions for you um, because of just how um, vibrant and culturally rich um, this city is um, and has been for, for centuries. Um, but we will close up because um, I've kept you many moons <laughs> and, um, it is a holiday right now. So we have, you know, places to go, family to love up on. Um, but just Ifa Tumininu, is there anything else that you would want to share about a black creatives guide? I've donated to the, um, Kickstarter. I'm excited to see what you're going to continue to do and build in any way that myself and Wander Women can support, um, you know, like let's do some arts tours, meetups, um, all the things. So tell us more about how folks can support you and donate to the Kickstarter and just like um, connect with your art. Um, I definitely will. I want to rewind a second if that's okay. Of course. Because I do want to just address what you were saying about like moving through the world and, and as you know, as a traveler. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I know... <laughs> I've had somebody that they have a, a Canada, somebody that's American, they have like a Canada uh uh tag on their yes. back. Like ah, I'm from Canada, they lie when yes. it's abroad. Um, but I do think it's important too when we go to spaces and you talk about Ghana, um, because because so many of us have either visited or moved there, especially with their year of return. Um yes. 2019 and how that continues to be a thing. And I'm so grateful for that but also like how we need to be mindful of how we move in communities and spaces. And so I say that even though I had a conversation, you know, with, with, with uh, the organization that I co-founded about who made these rules in Tanzania, I always showed up, nah, we don't do spaghetti straps. 
not like I I dressed appropriately mm-hmm. before I was going. And I I think that that's something that's really important. I respected cultural norms wherever I went in the world. And if I wasn't sure, I would um, either research before going or I would play it like on a safe side. Like, you know, there was so, <laughs> y'all, let me tell y'all, I love a good crop top. I got a crop top on right now. That is good. You know, but it's but it's not, but I don't I don't wear that on the continent um for right. a lot of things. You know what I mean? Is wherever I go on the continent, it tends to not be appropriate. Right. Um, now there are places where it is appropriate, and maybe I, I think I'm just it's so ingrained in me where it's like <laughs> I can't do it where I go, so I just don't. But I'm just saying, like, I think it also is really important for us to make sure that we are being respectful of other people's culture, wherever we're moving, but it's wherever we're, we're moving around, um, uh, even if we're just visiting. And I, I just think that that's another issue that some of us have um, when we have not been privy to other cultures in that way. So I just want to actually say that because, um, you know, because it was in alignment with, you, with what you were speaking about. That's important. Thank you for that. That's definitely, real. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but a black creatives guide, what I will say is that, um, and I mentioned it before, we do have a Kickstarter campaign going on, um, and we are looking to raise $10,000. I am sure that we will reach our goal. About 10 more days to do so. Uh, we are currently, uh, right above the halfway mark. And so please donate. Uh, no amount is too small. And, we are really honestly using the money to help with operating costs to help us so that we're able to, we have a youth programming coming, youth program coming up um, that allows, that's helping youth to be able to tell their own stories from their perspective using the camera in New Orleans. It is a photography workshop with the brother Abdul Aziz, who is an amazing award-winning documentarian photojournalist. Um, and we just, we do so much community work. We know the community is behind us. Please give us your coins and get behind us and give us your coins. Yes. So thank you so much for that. You can find out more about a Black Creatives Guide by tuning into our Instagram or website um, at a Black Creatives Guide. At the Black Creatives Guide. Our website is theblackcreativesguide.com. Um, and we are just thankful. You can look for us on, a, on the Kickstarter campaign as well. But if you go here, you will definitely see the link. Amazing. Yes, please support. Um, I can attest for the amazing work that they're doing um, and how important it is um, for New Orleans and really the diaspora at large. It is always truly a pleasure. We could talk for hours and hours and hours. (laughs) And hopefully we'll be able to do that more and bring you back Um, So you can share with us some updates about a Black Creatives Guide and any kinds of um, exciting other work that you're doing, um, travel and and education and photography um, and just being an amazing being in the world. So thanks again for being here. Thank you so much for having us. And I know it will not be the last time. Of course not. grateful. And y'all, can we just also give a shout out to, if you're watching and not listening, the fly colors, this palette of Ifa Tumininu today, I'm like, yes, it just is giving me all so much joy and so much life. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Thank so, you so much. Uh, I, I'm Hustle Roar. I actually am a Delta, okay? 
uh, I know I'm wearing pink and green, but don't get it twisted. <laughs> we just look good in any color, okay? <laughs> Listen, I was like, when I saw you today, I was like, I'm not gonna make, I'm not gonna make an AKA comment. I'm not gonna make an AKA comment. But I love pink and green, so I ain't gonna even lie to. <laughs> hilarious. No, every time I wear pink and green, I'm just like. Deltas look good in all colors. Deltas look good in all colors. So listen, it bees like that sometimes. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. Oh, you are so welcome. And everybody make sure to support a Black Creatives Guide. And thanks again for tuning in, watching, listening, and supporting Spirit in, in a Material World. Follow us, uh, Wander Women Travels. You know, I'm gonna put all the all the links and all the things. Um, Wander Women is W-A-N-D-E-R. Women, W-O-M-X-N. And you know how to spell travels. So um, we'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks again. Bye. <laughs> Bye.